Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Hey, before we get into our segment on LinkedIn with AJ Wilcox, we'd like to let you know that the Social Media Marketing Society is now officially open. You know, if you think maybe there's time to try something new, maybe you need to do some more with YouTube or Instagram, LinkedIn, or even TikTok, you can learn all about it at the Social Media Marketing Society. We've got expert training in there. We've got professional guidance. Uh, we've got moral support from other marketers inside the Facebook group. We had a great show. If you want to go back in the Facebook timeline and, and our YouTube timeline and look at, we interviewed Leslie Samuel early in the week about all this office hours things that we do over in the society. So if you would like to find out more about it, make sure you go to socialmediasociety.info. That's socialmediasociety.info. You can find out more. We've got some great people who are excited about it. Here's one from Claudia Sheridan. She goes, it is the place you know you can count on for the most recent strategies. Thank you, Claudia, for saying that. And we'd love to see you once again at socialmediasociety.info. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm Jeff C., and I'm Grace Duffy. And we're excited to be joined today by AJ Wilcox, and we're going to explore new LinkedIn remarketing tools for advertisers. We'll also cover how marketers can now use the Facebook page app for their email marketing and other Facebook updates, but we'll get to that later in the show. And if you don't know who AJ Wilcox is, he's one of my favorite LinkedIn experts, but uh, he is the founder of b 2 Linked. Dot com, a LinkedIn ad specific ad agency. He is also the host of the LinkedIn ad show, a new podcast that launched in March that covers targeting strategies, getting the best pricing and everything else there is to know about LinkedIn ads. AJ, thank you so much for being on the show again. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> so we got some awesome, cool stuff about LinkedIn. Grace, just take it away. LinkedIn introduced some two new retargeting tools this past week. So they announced two new features for advertisers. They are now able to tie their retargeting capabilities to video ads on LinkedIn and also lead generation forms on LinkedIn. And they also introduced some new brand safety integrations for the LinkedIn audience network. So as you can imagine, being able to retarget based on video views and lead gen forms will help you build your current offering by helping you reach those that are most interested in finding out more about your brand. You can target based on objectives such as awareness, engagement, conversions. Companies that have been testing this have reported conversions of 20% lower cost for a 24% increase in conversions, which I think is a great trade-off, right? So LinkedIn says that it built these products to make it easier to reach professionals across the buying process, which of course 
funnels, right? So AJ, walk us through how you could use some of these new targeting tools to create a funnel. For example, how would you target someone based on uh, if they watch 25% of your video versus another who sees all of it? And how would you retarget each of those people individually? Oh, and I wanted to add, you can target based on like people that are 25% have watched 25%, mm-hmm. 50%, 75%, and then all of it. So Very cool. forgot to mention that at the top. Yes. Great question. And I think I I should kind of start with why this is so valuable. Yeah. Because on LinkedIn, we haven't had funnels in the past. The only retargeting we had was website-based retargeting. And because it's cookie-based, only half of all the browsers out there would even, you know, take part in that audience. It was so sketchy to begin with. I hate to say it, but we didn't even recommend retargeting to our clients. We didn't run it on most of them just because it was so hit or miss. So, we know the value of creating these, this segmenting and mm-hmm. uh, you know, LinkedIn's so good with segmentation, but we also understand the value of a funnel of sequencing, but we haven't ever been able to do it. So now finally LinkedIn has given us what they call engagement retargeting, essentially saying, hey, activities that your users are taking on our site, that is if they open up a lead gen form and if they submit it, you can now use those to retarget to include or exclude those things meaning we can start to make funnels. And same thing with video, like LinkedIn ads video, we talked about this last time on the show, is crazy expensive. You're, you're paying like 10 to 25 cents per person who watches at least two seconds of it, which is a lot of people willing to watch two seconds of a video as they're scrolling. Right. But you were just throwing your money into a dark pit because they would never identify themselves unless they clicked through and happened to convert, which is you know obviously a small population of the people who see the ads. Mm-hmm. So- now you have this ability of on video views, Grace, just like you said, 25%, 50%, 75% or completions. You can retarget and say, if you've watched 50% of one of my videos, now I want you to see the next one in the sequence. Oh. Or if you only watch 25%, but you didn't make it to 50, I want to show you the same one again. Or if you made it to the end, you obviously understand my product, but you just haven't converted. Now I want to show you maybe more of like a bottom of funnel, like talk to the sales team, get a demo kind of message. And all of this is possible now, whereas a week ago it wasn't. So I'm so excited. Yeah, that is super cool. So I like how you broke down the the 25%, 50%, cause I'm like, well, what would I do with 25%? But what you said was, I mean, that's, you know, cause you go, oh, 25%, I, that was a failed video, you know, almost, but maybe re-explaining it in a different way or, or retargeting. Thanks, AJ, that really clarified some stuff for me. So there's some new retargeting stuff. And I'm so excited. And I see Stephanie Luz in the audience too. And I know she's super excited about retargeting as well. But they also added video retargeting capabilities into extend the LinkedIn audience network, which the company launched in uh, 2017. And it's a way for marketers to kind of extend their LinkedIn ad campaigns beyond LinkedIn itself. So they said that it's now including publishers like Flipboard, Microsoft News, and MSN.com because, you know, Microsoft owns that. So uh, it can also extend the reach of sponsored content campaign by 25% while adding nine times more monthly touch points with some LinkedIn members. So I, I was really shocked with Flipboard. That just seemed kind of an, uh, an odd one out because I used to use that a lot to curate content. Um, so how does the integration with Flipboard and MSN, how will that work? So this has actually been working for a little while, okay. but LinkedIn hasn't been super upfront about it. Like uh, they haven't had a big announcement like what they made this week about it. But I mean, nothing here is really new. It's It's been going the whole time. What LinkedIn has is a super highly curated list of sites that they know are brand safe that they're willing to show on. Mm. Um, and then they've chosen certain apps and stuff as well. 
So chances are like, you're not going to see a LinkedIn ad in Candy Crush, but you might in Words with Friends, a more cerebral, like a smarter kind of ad. Flipboard, same way. Like when you're on Flipboard, you're probably not like just jamming TikToks or something. (laughs) You're you're probably like looking at news and and you care about, you know, world events and stuff. So you're, you're hitting a more cerebral kind of audience. How much do these cost? Are these like really expensive to go into this like extended audience network? So this is why this is such a cool announcement that people just kind of glossed over because you read the announcement, honestly, it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on. What's so cool about this is it's just a checkbox on the way down as you're creating a a campaign. It's just a little checkbox that says, show your ads on the LinkedIn audience network or not. And when you have it checked, you probably won't notice the difference. Like it's still the same audience you chose. You're just hitting them in more places than just on LinkedIn. You're now getting them around the web, which is great because people don't spend that much time on LinkedIn. So you're getting the right audience at more touch points. But what else is cool is you'll notice your cost per click drops by a buck or two. So you know this is cheaper inventory to reach Mm -hmm. the same high value audience. So if you can get over the exchange in my mind with the audience network off, you're hitting people in a mindset that you control. You know, you're on LinkedIn. So you can kind of guess where their headspace is. When you're hitting them around the web, you lose that intent and then that control over mindset, but you get more clicks for your buck and you know it's still the same audience. Um, So we end up using this quite a bit. I I like the audience network. So are you able to look at statistics and say like, oh, I got this much, you know, traffic or whatever or conversions from MSN or Flipboard? Does it break it down that way or is it just a bucket it pulls from? It's just a bucket. Okay. One thing that is nice that I think they did because of like, giving them feedback mercilessly. <laughs> uh, but I basically told them when I check that box, I don't see anything about that audience. I, I don't see what changed. I noticed my overall cost per click dropped a little bit. I can't tell how that audience performed versus like my on network audience. And so what they did is when you go in to generate a report, it'll show you your click statistics based off of whether they were on audience network or uh, or just on LinkedIn. So you'll see your difference in like click-through rate and the amount of traffic and how much you spent to go there. And I'm sure all of you guys watching are super smart marketers who do a <laughs> lot of really good UTM tagging. If you've tagged your ads, uh, yeah. they're going to show the same ad to both of these audiences. So if you're tracking past the conversion, you're trying to like see how they perform deeper in your CRM to the rest of the funnel, you won't be able to differentiate those audiences. That's the one knock against the audience network. It's like, I can't measure it separately mm-hmm. past the conversion, but at least up to the initial form fill, you'll get you know, pretty good data. So there's, I, I want to bring up some comments because there's, there's some controversy. So Kristen says, interesting, our LinkedIn rep recommended turn audience expansion off to prevent reaching prospects outside of your niche targeting criteria. So what say you, AJ? Kristen, <laughs> heaven bless your LinkedIn rep for giving this advice because it's really good advice and one that most LinkedIn reps are not giving right now. So here's the difference. There are two checkboxes when you go down in a campaign. Mm-hmm. The first one is called audience expansion, which Kristen is talking about. It's essentially carte blanche for LinkedIn to say, hey, I get your audience. I'm going to stick more people in there that I think are okay. Mm-hmm. And I won't touch that box with a 10-foot pole uh, <laughs> be, because it's like, if I'm paying a premium on LinkedIn for their audience, why would I ever relinquish control over who I think that audience is? Mm. If I'm paying eight to 11 bucks a click, I don't want LinkedIn sticking someone in there who they think is right. I agree with Kristen's rep. So that's the audience expansion. If you Mm. go down a little ways past the ad format choosing, the next selector is called LinkedIn audience network. 
And that's one I actually am cool with checking. I'm not adamant about uncheck the box. Like th- that one's okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that was good. I thought, thanks Kristen for that awesome comment to help clarify that. So yeah. So very, very cool. So at the bottom of this news, LinkedIn also said that it's working with two other powerful partners to ensure the safety and quality of these impressions. Of course, you know, there is some danger going outside into an audience network, both on LinkedIn and anywhere else. Although I'm sure LinkedIn's is a lot more controlled than like, let's say Facebook's. So they said that they're partnering with integrated ad science and then Pixelate. Could you explain to us what this means and how they're ensuring your brand safety? Yes, I don't know Pixelate very well, but I know IAS. Their whole job is to look at news portals and different publishers and try to categorize their content as either brand safe or not brand safe, uh, kind of breaking them down into their individual categories. Because obviously, you know, the bigger advertisers, they're the ones who really have to closely guard their reputation and they might not want to show on something like a Breitbart and, mm-hmm. you know, risk getting some uh, right. hellfire ever so often. So what's so funny to me is, Advertisers really care about this. Like the big advertisers, they want to know that the IAS standard is applied. They want to know all these things. But I know the team who goes through and like approves all these sites and the rigor that they do them with. My guess is that whether you were advertising before the IAS uh, standards were, were imposed or before, you probably wouldn't see that much of a difference. Like LinkedIn's really pretty about the level of quality and like how they're perceived. So chances are they were really careful about whose site they were showing up on anyway. And now the IAS is just, it's its one more like, I don't know, like a stamp of approval that the bigger <laughs> advertisers can, I don't know, feel more secure with. No, absolutely. So we have another question from Jennifer over on LinkedIn, actually. She wants to know, how does she get a LinkedIn rep? Like, do they just... Do they just come? Like, you know, where, where, where do you find one? <laughs> I, I wish I had a good answer for this. Uh, we, we've got, you know, between uh, 30 and 45 clients at any given time. And every once in a while, we'll just have someone at LinkedIn reach out to us and say, hey, we're your new rep on account number 33. And we go, oh, cool, thanks. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, it, I'll say this, it, sometimes it's an amount of, of budget spent in a certain amount of time that will trigger mm-hmm. you to like, be qualified to get a rep. Sometimes it's a certain level of spend over like two consecutive quarters. Sometimes it's, you happen to be in an industry that LinkedIn thinks is high growth. And so they're paying more attention to it and and giving reps quicker. So I would say as long as you're spending at least 5k a month, I would expect that over at least the quarter or two, you'll probably qualify for one. But it's really hard to say, like, right. yeah, anyway. Yeah. It sounds like they're spending like 3K that, that get a wrap. And we've got some spending like 8 or 9K that don't. So Gotcha. It sounds like the tooth fairy at my house. Yes. Sometimes she comes and sometimes, sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes doesn't she forgets. Matter. Yeah, she doesn't. You got to spend some money to get some money. Yeah, so, uh, so this next piece of news, you know, especially it's this LinkedIn ads, two new target types, company category and company growth rate, which is important. And especially because you actually wrote the article, AJ, over on Search Engine Land on this update. So can you walk us through this new target types that you talked about in that article? Yeah. So LinkedIn just all of a sudden with no warning, I, mean, I, I didn't even know this stuff was coming. They just released two new targeting types and they didn't even write like bother to write a blog post about it for weeks. We have this option on LinkedIn where you can upload a list of companies mm-hmm. and use that company list for anything that you want to apply. So for instance, if you knew that you only wanted to target the Fortune 500 and let's say it's like CEOs of the Fortune 500, you could go and find a list of the Fortune 500, 
upload it into LinkedIn, and then attach that list to a job title of CEO. And now you're showing to that audience. So this is amazing. It's one of my favorite features of LinkedIn. But the big challenge is no matter what the list, if you've uploaded a list that is at least 90% matched with the records LinkedIn has, so they, right. they know who these companies are, they're going to show you 90% plus match rates. And you'll look at it and go, man, I don't know if that was 90% or 100% or anything in between. Right. And if you're going after like a specific list of companies, you probably want to like, if I missed IBM or missed uh, Google, yeah. I probably want to make sure that like I could fix that. So they've given us this list. They've uploaded a whole bunch of these lists that they know are 100% match rate. So there's like the Forbes most innovative companies, the Fortune 100 fastest growing companies, the Fortune 500. And then there's a whole bunch of like LinkedIn's news editors all around the world. They built their by geo list of the top startups. Mm. And so anyone who's looking specifically to target like high growth companies, great. There's probably a, a list here that you can apply and you don't even have to upload your own stuff for it. Wow, that is super powerful. That is. Yeah. So does the match audience list in LinkedIn similar to the way Facebook LinkedIn audiences work? That's, it sounds like it's very similar. Yeah, it, it's pretty similar. So on LinkedIn, we can upload company name, and we can even generate lookalikes off of that. We can upload uh, email address or contact like you can on Facebook. And so those are the two lists. On Facebook, you pretty much only have a contact list. There's none of this company level targeting. So that's mm -hmm. why this is so cool, I think. It's something that Facebook doesn't have, especially for those account-based marketing advertisers who used to have to go to something like a Bombora. But now we have this control in LinkedIn where we can just upload our own lists. So LinkedIn comes out with this list that you don't have to go and upload a new one every year. They're just going to keep that list curated mm -hmm. and all advertisers can use it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. But then the other thing that they added on in this release was called company growth rate. And mm. this was one where I went, wow, everything we do is based off of company size. And now they've given us company growth rate. And I went, oh, how, like, how are they getting this data? And they have buckets from zero to 3%, mm. three to 10%, 10 to 20%, and then 20% and above. And they even have a negative growth company. It's like you can target companies that are failing. Help. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we can help you. Yeah. <laughs> And LinkedIn's not telling us like how they get this data, but I'm imagining that it's the best way that they could do this is by the number of employees who say they work for your company. So when you change your profile and say, I work for a company and you claim it, LinkedIn's going to see that and go, Ooh, okay. That's one more person for this company. They don't have to rely on the company admin watching and seeing like, you know, they're in the bucket of 200 to 500 employees. And mm -hmm. once they hire that 501st, the admin's just getting there ready to click the 500 to a thousand button. So company growth rate, super cool. I, I don't know necessarily like a great use case for right. when you'd use it. You would know if you're trying to reach high growth companies. Gotcha. So, you know, in this article also you wrote company size is a type of targeting that we've had access to on LinkedIn since uh, 2008. And it, you, you said it's very, very useful that you use it quite a bit, but it's declared by the LinkedIn page admin when the page is created. And you talked about it's a lot of times it's rarely updated or even checked for accuracy. So, yeah, and a lot of companies haven't even set up a company page. So their employees are simply, you know, left out when this targeting is, is used. So how effective is this to be used as a targeting tool. And, you know, I, should we be up like every quarter, be updating our company page? And, you know, another question is, is I have people who like contact me on LinkedIn who say they work for like social media examiner. I'm like, uh, you weren't at the picnic. 
you know, uh, <laughs> I don't recognize you at all. And so, the, you know, there's that spoofing that goes on. So it, I just kind of want to know, you know, is this something we, we really need to start checking or, or how effective it really is? The spoofing, I think, is a problem. I mean, you could say there's a podcast by Mark Williams called LinkedIn Formed, mm-hmm. where I get all my organic LinkedIn news. And he talks about like, you could have a really serious issue where someone pretends to work for a bank and they're asking you for personal information. Mm. And because, oh yeah, looks like he works for Bank of America or whatever, I can trust him and I'll I'll give my credentials. So the spoofing I think is a a concern and and I think it's one that LinkedIn has yet to face. So Mm. I think that'll come. Any type of company targeting you do, if it is by company name, if it's by industry, if it's by company size, all three of those are reliant on the company having a company page. So if you're using any of those filters, you're automatically taking out anyone who doesn't have a company page, which is usually smaller companies. To be honest, there aren't many like 50 person plus organizations who haven't thought to go and create their page on LinkedIn. So what do you think is the advantage of having a company page on LinkedIn, especially if you're a small business? So for example, I have a good friend who is running a telehealth consultancy. Of course, telehealth is a big, prominent deal right now, but she's been doing it for several years. She's a doctor. She's looking to target local and county level public health officials, healthcare administrators, and other doctors. And she flat out just told me, my folks aren't hanging out on LinkedIn. Like, you know, she's has to get out there some other way. And she's asking me and I was like, LinkedIn. Uh, But you could say the same for like an electrical company, a cleaning service, a tree trimming service, or, you know, even a bakery. So it's like, do you think that there's an advantage for even if you are just a small business or starting off a little consultancy like my friend is doing that there's an advantage to maintaining a company page for yourself. Yeah, I I think there is value, probably not as much value as maintaining your personal profile, but there is. So first of all, from an advertising perspective, you pretty much can't advertise unless you have a company page. There are Mm. a few ad formats you can use, but the main one that's your feed ad, you can't even use if you don't have a company page. So Mm. if you ever want to advertise, it's worth having. The other thing that I think about is like my employees, people are going to visit their profiles. And when they share, people are going to look at them. I would love it if that person came and saw, oh, be too linked. So if your company doesn't have a company page, then any of your employees, they're going to write the name of your company there, but it won't link to anything. Uh, Mm. So at the very least, I mean, from a, a, just a little bit of branding perspective, it's great. But also from a reputation management perspective, just the pure SEO of having another page out there on the web that contains your company name. It's, it takes up room on the search results and it's going to get more people to your website. So I think there's a ton of value there. And I would share at least, you know, once a month just to mm-hmm. keep it looking like the lights are on. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So this last <laughs> bit of news is kind of two things, LinkedIn live events and LinkedIn polling. So let's, let me break down kind of the LinkedIn virtual events, which I think is pretty cool. I, I, I think LinkedIn is moving the right direction with this. So you can build a community now with LinkedIn live and LinkedIn events. And we covered this with uh, Michaela Alexis a couple of weeks ago, but we want to get your take on it because for you guys who maybe missed that episode, you can go back and listen to it in the podcast. But what it is, is it's a tighter integration between LinkedIn events and LinkedIn live. And you can combine these two products into new virtual event solution. LinkedIn enables members to create and broadcast live video events within that platform. And the whole idea is to kind of replace in-person conferences because we've kind of been locked down with these virtual events. And you need to use like a third-party tool like StreamYard, like we're using here, Restream, Wirecast, Social Live. So there's going to be more of this in the coming months. So one of the couple questions on this, AJ, I'd love your take on what you think about this whole thing. But also, is there any way to monetize inside of LinkedIn? Like, can you gate your LinkedIn live events? 
Ooh, that's a good question. On the gating, so just as a preface here, I just interviewed the head of LinkedIn's pages on our podcast. I think it was like episode 15. Cool. And so we had conversation that was recorded and then we had conversation that was off the record. And I'm trying to remember which, <laughs> which part was, was which. Yeah. I believe if it's not already, it will be in the future. Uh, there will be paid events on LinkedIn. And I don't know if they're going to like accept payment right through LinkedIn or if you have to go through someone like an Eventbrite to get mm -hmm. it. I would imagine probably the, the latter. But there will be, if there isn't already, the ability to, to do like paid events. Awesome. Um, so you could do a live stream that's only for subscribers right. or something. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Because, I mean, that was the only thing I saw was missing. I love being able to do LinkedIn Live inside of the mm -hmm. events. You can invite people and you can actually retarget with your ads and all that stuff. And I'm like, a lot of these uh, virtual conferences are needing their real in-person conferences. They're trying to make money now going virtual. And I was like, how can they use that as well? So. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I'm sure Michaela talked about this, but the whole thing that I think is so exciting here, if I decide to go live, I mean, if, if we went live all together right now doing this, mm -hmm. the only people we would get are the ones who happen to be online at that point, like on LinkedIn, right. looking at it, and they'd look at it and go, okay, that looks interesting and click. So you end up having like so few people join your lives, even though your audience might be massive. So mm -hmm. now with events, you can schedule a live. You can literally say, like, I have episodic content every Thursday. I'm going to, to go live about this. And people can subscribe to it and be notified. And that way, when you go live, I mean, it's the same thing. Pe the same people still get notifications. Mm -hmm. But now when you go live, like, you have an actual audience. And I, I think that's pretty sexy. Awesome. That is yeah. cool. So the other thing they rolled out was LinkedIn polling. Again, we talked about this with Michaela Alexis, you know, back a few weeks ago. Pretty simple, up to four choices, options. You can put up these polls, write a little intro about them, and they can stay upwards for up for about 24 hours to up to two weeks. And LinkedIn said that they are rolling out polls gradually globally on mobile and desktop within the next few weeks. And so I haven't actually seen a poll on LinkedIn quite yet, but I wanted to get your take on how businesses and marketers could be using this tool. Oh, man, I'm a little split on this one. I, I really <laughs> like it because polls are some of the best posts I've ever had on LinkedIn. So, mm -hmm. for instance, when I was coming out with my podcast, I had my designer come up with four thumbnails for like the image. And I just went on LinkedIn and said, hey, guys, A, B, C or D, what would you choose and why? And that one post, I mean, I think I only have like 16,000 people following me on LinkedIn. That one post got like 98,000 oh, views. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so talk about virality. I mean, I was reaching audiences that who, who'd never heard of me and they were learning about the podcast that was going to be coming out. I and mean, that, that's got to count for something. And it's such an easy way to engage, right? Because you're not asking them to give you a giant response. It's just pick one of four things, right? Like pick your favorite thing, have an emotional moment and tell me what you think, you know, yes. but only in this way. <laughs> yeah. It makes it so easy to categorize because I did, I went through every comment I exported, mm -hmm. I, I did a page scrape with Python, I put it into Excel and did these like models to try to figure out like what percentage chose A, what percentage oh, wow. chose B, what percentage mentioned both A and B. With polls, you just get that data. Like it's just, it's spit uh, out. You don't need to like go and bug your friend who knows Python. <laughs> now, now, I want to ask you about this spreadsheet you made because you, you piqued my interest. Were you able to see what industries ranked high in each of those percentages, right? So like a majority of people that worked in telecommunications were the 25% or whatever. Was Were you um, able to scrape that kind of data? Uh, no, what I got was basically links to their LinkedIn profile. So uh -huh. 
I would have had to go one step further, which is oh. click on their LinkedIn profile and then scrape <laughs> uh, their industry, which, I mean, you're, you're getting past my technical abilities. I really want to have a language. sticker that I could put up on you guys that both says nerd alert. Just really, I mean, when you guys <laughs> okay, start geeking out right, on spreadsheets, I'm just, okay. okay but I here's love the thing, it. When you, speaking of videos on LinkedIn, when we do our video, which we are streaming now to LinkedIn, right. you, there's another stat there that tells you what industry the people that are watching you are coming it's from. It's very cool. And of yeah, it is very cool. But I'm always just like, what is this? Like, of course, it's a majority marketers, right? Or people mm-hmm. that work in marketing. But there's always that small percentage of like, why firefighters? You know, or why? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that data is super cool. I mean, just LinkedIn's demographic data. I, I don't find it to be very actionable all the time. I don't look at no. it and go like, ooh, I know exactly what to go do now. But boy, it's really interesting to just see like what industries are represented. And so having that data is super cool and I like polls. Maybe they won't go as viral, but you'll have a lot of interaction around them, I'm sure, because right. everyone has an opinion and everyone likes to share it. Yeah. Yep. So if you guys can't tell, AJ is pretty passionate about LinkedIn <laughs> and, he, and he he always <laughs> brings it on every show. AJ, thank you so much for showing up. We're going to throw up your uh, link to uh, kind of all the stuff that you've got put together for us. But tell people where they can find out more about you and your services. Uh, yeah. If you just go to b2lengths.com, our website, uh, if you fill out the form on any of those pages, you don't go to a sales rep and you don't get put on our newsletter. It just goes directly to my inbox and I'm not a sales guy. So feel free to reach out, ask for whatever you want. And the link takes you to a podcast. So if you're interested in learning and going way, way deep, maybe even too deep on LinkedIn <laughs> ads at any given time, try that link out and basically whatever service you use, uh, you'll find the link for it. Awesome. Well, thank you, AJ, so much for that. And uh, yeah, I don't, you can never have too much information on LinkedIn ads. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to figure out without experts like you. We sure <laughs> appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, AJ. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Happy Friday. Bye. I want to pull up this one thing. So uh, because Brenda says this, uh, how can you screen share on LinkedIn Live? And I think that's a great question because we're talking about LinkedIn Live and LinkedIn events. And yes, you can by using a third party tool like StreamYard, which we're doing today. We are going live on LinkedIn and you can actually share your screen on this. So I wanted to pull that up and answer that question from Brenda. Go ahead now. Oh, I just want to mention that we have more things from AJ from Social Media Examiner. So he has actually been on our YouTube channel. So that's, you can find Social Media Examiner on YouTube and you will find two videos that he did for our company. One was called how to use LinkedIn message ads to get Mm. into people's inboxes and also how to choose the right LinkedIn ads objective. So if you're interested in finding out more about what AJ has to share and his knowledge, go check those out because he, and they're recent there. I think they're, one was just from like a few weeks ago. So yeah, he's super yeah. smart on all that stuff. So, <laughs> but there's more. There's, there's more. more. News. Yes, there is. So, Facebook confirmed a test this week of uh, new email marketing tools that marketers can access within the Facebook page app. So this is something that they are testing. Uh, this was found in the wild, but then later Facebook confirmed that this is something they're testing with small to mid-sized businesses. Uh, this was reported in Adweek and in social media today. Uh, Facebook says these new tools should be released. So not guarantee of when uh, they should be released and they will enable businesses to create an email contact list individually or uploading their entire contact list from a spreadsheet after which they can then compose their emails in an easy to use tool and send those emails directly from the Facebook platform, which of course then has the ability to track their performances. So this was found in the wild by Meg Coffey uh, from the managing director of Coffee. That's her last name, C-O-F-F-E. 
E-Y-N-T. She is located in Perth, Australia. Mm -hmm. So, so we know now that this is something that was found in Australia and we haven't seen it anywhere else, but again, she was generous enough to provide screen shares on Twitter. And then those were also shared to Adweek and social media today. And so I wanted to walk through the steps actually with, of what her screenshot shows. So in the first one, it says that the page first needs to confirm their page email address. So for us, you know, I would have to confirm that I am from Social Media Examiner. Uh, Once confirmed, the page managers can then manually add email contacts from their database. And in this process, page managers will also be asked to confirm that any emails that they do have on this list were given, they were given to them with explicit permission to then market to them. And then once you verified that, or at least said, yes, this is, you know, these were all legally and clearly gotten, right? Mm-hmm. So once you create a Facebook usage terms, you can then create your email campaigns in the page app with a preview of your subject line and the content in the lower section. And then it makes it easy to extend your email outreach. So again, this is a big part of they're testing this new email marketing tool as a way to integrate all of your marketing, right? So if you're doing Facebook and Instagram ads, now you can do your email marketing all in one place. And the word that kept coming up in (laughs) all of the coverage about this was hub, a business hub, right? right? So it's creating a hub for you. So I I want people to know, would you use this? Now I can see the boon for having it for like a, a small business. You know, you having everything in one place can be really handy. So my issue is it's one more thing I'm giving to Facebook and how much do we trust Facebook? And I want to diversify as much as I can. So I don't like having everything on one place. So I would love to know what you guys think in the comments. Is this something that you would use because it's easy and you're on Facebook all the time? Or is it something that you're like, okay, I'm not going to give the one more bit of anything to Facebook. Would you recommend this to your clients? Because I know a lot of you are marketers who have multiple clients that you either consult with or you help run their business. Would this be something that would be interesting to you? Because I could see it like the the mom and pop, the small businesses, you know, they want to put out Facebook ads, but they also want to have CRM thing and it's all in one spot. I can see the appeal of that too. So love to know what you guys think. But wait, there's even more. We have um, the Facebook is now testing three experimental apps, uh, Ketchup, Collab, and Venue. So this past week, Facebook's experimental NPE, which stands for New Product Experimentation, that's their team, and they announced three new products. So the first one, Ketchup. I thought maybe it's something you put on your burger, but no. (laughs) It's essentially messenger rooms, but for one-on-one group voice calling. So Ketchup facilitates connections through calls by showing availability, status updates, and privacy settings, and they're testing this right now in the U.S. on both iOS and Android. To me, Grace, it seemed a lot like Skype. It seems, you to know, to me, it sounds a lot like a phone. So right. this is an app on my phone. Well, which is what Skype is too. It's really a phone on your phone. If you think about it, because what made me yeah. think of Skype, because you can tell if you're available, your status updates, all that kind of stuff. I think it, they're kind of going after Microsoft and Skype with this. So that's what I think. So that catch up, you can't sign up for it. They're just kind of rolling it out to a select group of people. Now, Collab, this is an interesting one. It's a music collaboration app that enables creators and users to watch, record, and remix 15-second original video clips. So what is, it's really kind of odd when you look at it. So it's the video feature three independent videos that are playing in sync that can be arranged with your own recording or by swiping discover other arrangements to complete your composition. Now, this is invite-only 
beta. It's available on iOS. So I think this one you can actually go request to be invited to. I think I did that yes. with the link. So I tested that. We'll see if I can go collab with somebody in a few weeks. We'll see. So that's the collab one. It seems to me like it's a, you know, direct, you know, we're seeing how if we can get TikTok people over here. Is that, isn't that what you kind of felt, Grace, too? I did. I did. I yeah. think it, it the tie with the music, the 15 seconds. And then if you look on their uh, website, and this is, again, all on Facebook's N- NPE website. So you can go there and look at images. But the videos are all stacked, like mm-hmm. so, like kind of like a sandwich. So right. they're strange. all stacked. Yeah, it's strange. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. This is a product team that always rolls out stuff. And then like two years later, they're you get gone. a big announcement, like it's sunset. And you're like, what was yeah. that? So. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. And this last one's called Venue. Now, this is interesting. The whole thing, it promises to make live events more social. So it's an app that's available on iOS and Android. TechCrunch reports that this new app uh, seems to be kind of like taking on Twitter which currently serves as kind of the second screen for commenting on live events and engaging with fellow fans. Their first like official partner with this venue app is NASCAR, and the app will offer uh, commentary from experts such as journalists, current or former athletes, or aspiring fan analysis to host each race. So this one seems like they've invested a little bit in when they partnered with NASCAR. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. It does seem like a lot like Twitter, but we'll see what happens. It looked like maybe a little bit more video centric, but we'll see. We'll see yeah. what fans and if this really takes off. Well, you brought up a great point that didn't even occur to me until you mentioned it. And it's very much tied to, I think, the Oculus venues, right? Which oh, yeah. was supposed to be that that space within the Oculus Rift and Which VR. Which is pretty cool, to be honest. Yeah, so I just uh, when you look at the app and then you think about what venues are supposed to look like in the Oculus, you could see how you could be looking at a screen here. There can be commentary over here. There can be commentary here and it's all in VR. And so I think it's taking that experience into the app. But it is definitely going after what Twitter does and what Twitter is trying to do, which is that up to date news. But again, they're testing this out with a few partners and NASCAR is the first one. So if you want to check it out. Check it out. Yeah, and we've got some other, uh, some YouTube, some minor YouTube updates we wanted to make sure to mention before the end of the show. So this first one, Grace, we've had this and you've actually seen it on our site. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so YouTube rolled out the chapter, video chapters for all the creators. So this is something we actually talked about earlier, except now, last week, it was officially announced Mm -hmm. on the Creator Insider channel. So you can find that on YouTube. It's where they roll out all of their new features, new tools, big ones, minor ones, everything. It's a good place to get caught up. So the way that this works is that when you do a YouTube video, you can then go back in the description and put the timestamp. So it'd be zero dot dot. 15, we're talking about this thing, 0.25, we talk about this thing. And so when the video, it comes up in search on Google, you can then see where each of those market demarcations are, a little description comes up in the video so that people that are looking, like if you're looking for just one part of the video, or you only want to hear about collabs, or you only want to hear about the LinkedIn part, you can then jump immediately to those spaces where- You're talking about these things. Yeah, so it's cool. So this was, again, something that they rolled out a few weeks ago. It is now broadly available. And if you want to see an example of how this works, you can go to the Social Media Examiner YouTube channel and see how the description are laid out. And all you have to do is put in the timestamps. And I think their robots do the things for you. (laughs) All the heavy lifting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other thing is subscription tab. So again, this is something they rolled out to iOS. It's just a way for you to track 
all the pages on YouTube that you subscribe to. And it gives you an alert when one of your favorite pages uh, uploads a new video or there's any unwatched content on their site. So this is something that was available on iOS. It is now available on Android. So rollout complete. The other thing is that Facebook is also adding new features to help creators better track their performance in Creator Studio. So when you go into Creator Studio, you know, there's a display and it'll give you subscriber counts, it'll give you watch time, it'll give you revenue performance, but all on separate screens. And so now YouTube is making it all in one screen so you're not having to flip through different places. And it is a little bit confusing when you go in there and you're trying to make sense of, you know, your watch time versus you know, right. the performance and where people are going. So this is just makes it easier to go Very in cool. there and just have one place to check. And then the other thing is that live alert for merchandise features. Again, this is a way if you're a live broadcaster that you can then highlight some of the merchandise that goes along with your live streaming content. So for instance, our friends over at Live Streaming Pros have a shirt. Very cool right, shirt. That says I have one. That, yeah. I guess. And so now they are able to sell. I mean, I think they've right. always been able to, but now you're. it makes it easier to integrate that merch. And so it's another way for you to create revenue. One of the things I mentioned in that article that the new live alerts for merch feature, which it highlights those sales, it's made via Teespring. So I'm not sure if like you have your own Shopify store, how that works, but they just mentioned Teespring. So I think there's some special integration that's going on right there as well. So if you have this and you know, let us know because I would love to see how it actually works on the back end. So this last piece of news, Snapchat announced virtual partner summit in June. So, you know, Facebook canceled the annual F8 developer conference. Well, Snapchat went ahead uh, with its partner summit, but it is a virtual event. So it's uh, they announced the conference will be a virtual event held on June 11th, and they're going to announce a broad range of product features and platform updates. And, you know, sometimes we'd like kind of Snapchat, you know, get out of our mind. My kids still use it all the time. They're still doing stuff. They still have a great innovative team. And so the doors open if you're interested in going to that virtual event at 9.45 a.m. Pacific time. Keynote begins at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you can find out more about it at Snapchat.com. And a replay of the keynote will be accessible on Snap Inc.'s investor relations website for at least 90 days after if you don't want to get up and watch their virtual event, you can go back and watch the replay, of course. So very, very cool stuff in the news this week. Absolutely. And before we wrap up the show again, we want to remind you that the Social Media Marketing Society is open. It offers expert training, professional guidance, and a lot of support from marketers like you. I say this every week because it is true every week. There is not a question in there that doesn't go unanswered. If you're having an issue, someone else is having that issue, or someone else has lived through that issue and can give you advice. And that is the beauty of the society. It is a wonderful place in which you can get some of that guidance, learning, and and support. So again, you can find that at socialmediasociety.info to find out more about it. Yeah. And make sure that you guys subscribe to our podcast. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify with new episodes publishing every Saturday. Our next show is on Friday, June 12th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And if you'd like to be on and find out when our schedule is, you can actually go to our uh, website and go to socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. You can click on that calendar, get updates, all sorts of things. So it's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. Thank you, all of you, for joining us today. And a special thank you to AJ Wilcox for being our guest. I hope you guys have a wonderful week and we will talk to you again next Friday. Have a great one, everybody.
Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.